thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us in that time of worship through song this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 2. We're making progress in our study of the book of Hebrews. We are now in chapter 2. And so we're uh, going to be talking today uh, on this subject, the danger of the drift. Now, while you're turning there, let me say to you, and before I pray, uh, a couple things I want to bring to mind. Uh, all those who are involved in Triple L, please do not forget about that tomorrow. And if you have not signed up, please do so before you leave today. There will be a sign-up sheet for you out at the welcome desk. Uh, so you'll have food tomorrow at, when you come. So please remember that, and don't forget to sign up for that. Of course, Easter's just a couple of weeks away, and it's time for us to be inviting people to come with us on Easter Sunday. So please do that. I know we probably have maybe at least one, if not more than that, on our mind that uh, we could invite to come with us and pray for God to touch their hearts that day as we gather to celebrate uh, the uh, resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Then also next Sunday, Palm Sunday, we're going to take, partake of the Lord's Supper. So keep that in mind as you prepare uh, for worship next week as we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper uh, in those services. And then as you heard this morning on the announcement video, on the 16th, the Sunday after Easter, we're going to do one combined service. So get here early, get your seat, we'll have chairs out, <clears throat> and we'll gather everybody together uh, in that time. And we'll have just a, a good time together and then have a meal together afterward. We hadn't done that in a while, and so I look forward to that. Uh, we did that a couple of years ago before COVID hit, and it was just a great time of fellowship where hundreds of us were able to come together uh, and eat throughout our campus in the activity center and the fellowship hall, some even outside also, and so we just look forward to that special time. So mark your calendars, and don't forget about uh, those special times. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and let's ask the Lord to speak to us as we open His Word this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I bow before you now and thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for the time, Lord, we have to be here this morning, to be together, to be in your presence, to worship, to hear from you, to take your word and apply it to our lives, to be strengthened today through the teaching of the word and through our fellowship, Lord, that we might be a light for you in our community. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those in our church that need that touch from you today, Paul and her family, Mr. Jimmy, for comfort there, for Mr. Don Milton and Belinda and Daphne, the entire family there, to be comforted and strengthened. Lord, I pray, Father, for uh, your continued blessing and grace, Lord, upon this, this church family, and I pray, Lord God, that we'll keep our eyes on you. And now, Father, I come with a weighty topic this morning to talk to my church family about, and I just ask you, Lord, to give me the power to talk about this subject from Scripture. I ask you, Lord, to give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech to be able to deliver the Word of God with power and compassion and conciseness, clarity and conviction. I ask you to open the hearts and minds of all in this room to hear the Word of God and those listening online, and I pray that you will use this message, Lord, to draw people to you. Could be, Lord, <clears throat> that there are folks in this room today that are really spiritually adrift, and they might not even know it. And I pray you'll open hearts and minds to that today, that we don't allow that to occur anymore, that we confess that before you and return to following you closely. And so, Lord, I need your ability 
And I pray you'll enable me to preach the truth. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about the danger of spiritual drift this morning. If I were given the ability by the Holy Spirit to look out on this crowd this morning and just sort of scan the room for a moment and had the Holy Spirit perception to see whether or not uh, persons are drifting spiritually or not, I wonder what I would see. Now, what I do know is sometimes spiritual drift is really obvious in people's lives. You can tell it by their conduct. You can tell it by the behavior of life. You can tell it by what their priorities are. You can tell it by the lack of devotion they have to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you pretty clearly can see that type of spiritual drift in a person's life. But what I know about spiritual drift is it sometimes happens very slowly, very gradually. It's very subtle. Sometimes it starts with questioning a, a message we hear. And we'll say, well, you know, I'm, I probably need to do that, but I'm just not ready to. And so we just sort of reject that truth, and that begins to be the pattern of life. And it's one after the other that we sort of resist and ignore and don't submit uh, to the Word of God. And before long, we just sort of take inventory of our lives, and we discover we are a long way from the Lord. We're so far out of fellowship with Him. We need to guard against the danger of the drift. Spiritual drift happens in many different ways. Sometimes it's out of laziness. We're just lazy and we don't do our spiritual disciplines. We don't take serious the messages we hear, the teaching we hear from the Word of God. We uh, don't take serious what we read in our Bible. And before long, we just stop listening altogether. We stop reading the Bible altogether. We stop really praying except for those uh, you know, those little general prayers each day, Lord, protect my family, help me to get this done and that done. It's all centered around us, and there's no fellowship with the Lord in those times. And we find ourselves in a spiritual drift. Sometimes it happens because we're distracted by this world so much. We're pulled away by our own human desires that go counter with what God has revealed we should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we drift doctrinally. And so what will happen is we will, you know, be so impressed by the culture about a certain mindset, and it goes contradictory to what the Scripture says, but because we're getting so much cultural pressure, we begin to drift away from great doctrines of the faith, and before long, we do this over and over again, and we find ourselves in major spiritual drift. My question today for all of us is this, are you drifting? Are we drifting away from the Lord? The writer of Hebrews issues a warning in chapter 2. It's the first of five major emphatic warnings in the book of Hebrews. And this one he is warning against spiritual drift. So look with me in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says this, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So he's saying that there, that there is something that we have responsibility to do, and that's to give close attention to what we have heard. Now, what is that? That's the message of the gospel and all the teaching of Scripture. He's talking about the whole counsel of Scripture. So pay close attention to the counsel of Scripture. 
lest we drift away. So there's that warning that we see there. Verse 2, For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, now that means a just punishment or a just retribution. The word spoken through angels probably refers to Galatians 3.19 and Acts 7.35, which speaks of the fact there was a some type of mediation between God using angels to deliver the law to Moses. And that law, obviously it came from God, was delivered through angels to Moses. It was steadfast, it was true, and it was to be obeyed. And when it was not, the Word of God says, there was proper punishment for that disobedience. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, If that be the case, there is proper punishment for disobeying what was mediated through angels. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? That's His apostles, His disciples who went and carried on what they saw, what they heard, and then what they later received also from the Holy Spirit, according to what John chapter 16 teaches. And then verse 4, God also, bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. This message that I'm talking about here this morning, this what we heard... Uh, is the message of the truth of God. It was delivered first by the Lord Himself and His apostles and the Lord God of heaven Himself, God the Father, emphasized it with spiritual signs and wonders that were brought about by the Holy Spirit of God. Notice also the entire Trinity is involved in emphasizing this, the message of the new covenant. So what's being said here is, how can we ignore such great truth and not expect there to be consequences for our drift the main idea of this message this morning is that we prevent spiritual drift in our lives verse 1 begins with the word therefore it links it to the previous chapter in the previous chapter the first three verses is that great prologue of this book contains seven great truths about the Lord Jesus Christ, establishing right off the bat the greatness and the superiority and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ above all and everything. And then in verses 4 through 14, using Old Testament passages, the writer of Hebrews builds this case of how the Lord Jesus is superior to angels. And we learn three ways how He's superior to angels. He's first of all, is the Son... Secondly, He is preeminent above all. Third, He is ruler of the cosmos. He is is ruler over everything. It's what we learned when we studied those verses. And what the Holy Spirit of God is doing here is, using the writer of Hebrews, He's setting up things for chapter 2. He is saying, listen, if Jesus is superior to angels... And that message that came through angels was to be obeyed, and if it wasn't, there was punishment. How much more should we pay attention to the message that came through the Son? 
That's what's being emphasized by this text. To disregard the word of the Lord leads to spiritual drift. And it leads to consequences. Now, there are two things in this text that we need to pay attention to to help guard against spiritual drift. Number one, we must understand the dangers of spiritual drift. We need to understand the warning. Notice in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore we, that plural pronoun, speaks of the people of God in that congregation that that writing was going to. Now, sometimes people, they wonder who all is being addressed in the book of Hebrews. Now, certainly there are people who are unsaved, and yet they're identified with the church, and they're being warned, don't walk away from the faith, because if you do, you'll never be able to be redeemed if you do that. But mainly and foremost and primarily, he is writing to the, the people of God, the church. And so he says, therefore, we. And then the very first verb we find in this passage is the, the word must. It's a present tense verb in the original language, so it means keep on. We must keep on giving heed or paying close attention to is what, is what that means. So we must keep on paying close attention to what we've heard. And again, what we've heard refers to the message of truth, the, the message of Scripture. Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned His disciples to go and make disciples, here's what that meant for them. They were to go out and preach the gospel to people. It's like you and I are called to do that. Matter of fact, in the second service, we'll be baptizing a young man at the end of the service who two of our men work with, or actually more than that, work with. But I know at least two of them were sharing the gospel with, with him. And, and one of them, uh, Will Brenninger, had a real uh, burden last week to go see him. So he went and picked up Brock McCoy, and they, they, they drove over to his house and led him to faith in Jesus. They brought him to my office on, uh, on a, a Monday morning, and we talked about baptism. So he's going to be baptized in this next service. See, we're all called to do that. Everybody can do that. The Spirit of God will give us the power to do that if we'll just open our mouths to do it and pray for folks. And that's what was taking place uh, there. So we go out and we let people know that they are in sin and they need a Savior. They can't overcome their sin on their own, that they need a deliverer, and Jesus is that deliverer. God the Son came to earth and lived the life we couldn't live, and He died on the cross and became the substitute for our sin, and He satisfied the just wrath of God, and He was buried, and then He got up from the dead on the third day. That's the message of the gospel. And we go tell people that, and we, and we implore them, and we beg them to repent and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. When they do, the Lord Jesus said this. He said that you are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism is a public sign that we have received Jesus and He is our Lord. We're telling the world that Jesus is our Lord. We're letting them know that the person we used to be died. That's what the going underwater represents, the burial of that person that died. And we come back up, a new creation in Jesus Christ. Baptism symbolizes that. And then Jesus said this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So then you teach them the truth of God so they know how to follow Jesus. Listen, you don't get saved and then go on living your life like you want to. That's not, that's not discipleship. That's not genuine Christianity. 
It is being redeemed of the Lord and changed by Him and then start following Him. And we are to pay close attention to His truth, to His, uh, to His message. And if we don't, we're going to drift spiritually. Now, that word drift in verse 1, it's got many nuances to it. It can mean something uh, as simple as, being, uh, as something flowing by us. It can mean that a memory slips away. I've got more and more of that happening these days. <laughs> it's the older I get, there's more stuff that flows out of my mind than, than used to. It can mean uh, like slipping a ring off a finger, it, it falls off. Um, it, it can mean uh, a morsel of food going down the wrong pipe. But it also means uh, a ship being navigated to, to the right destination, staying on course. Now, I think that's the nuance that we interpret here. The word heed there in verse 1 is also a word that means to pay close attention to, and it was often used to refer to ships that would pay real close attention to navigating into a harbor. And so I, I think that's the best interpretation of this word. So drifting here means a ship that gets off course. You start being, instead of going to your destination, you start letting the currents take you somewhere else. Now, that's what's the, the imagery here. We don't know exact currents that were pulling at these early believers that were being written to by the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews. It could be that there was cultural pulls, a, a pull to be comfortable because they were facing persecution. It was a temptation not to pay too close attention to the teaching of the Lord and follow Him because it's going to mean some opposition from the world. They were tempted to kind of step away from that, drift away from that. They were being warned not to do that. I remember many years ago when I was a boy, we floated down the Etowah River. That's the river that runs through my home county, Cherokee County. And we put in at Ball Ground Bridge and got on these truck tire inner tubes and started floating down the river. We went from Ball Ground Bridge to East Cherokee Drive at the Big Gober Beach, we used to call it down there. Now, you all know exactly where I'm talking about, I know. It took hours to get there. You can drive it in no time. It took hours to float down the river like that. But what you discover when you get on the current of the river like that is you're going to have to, at times, paddle yourself in a different direction, or you're going to hit a log, or you're going to hit a rock, or you're going to hit a low-hanging limb. And when you get to Gober Beach, if you don't paddle your way to the shore over there, then you're going to end up going down somewhere else. You'll be in Atlanta before you know it, <laughs> dumping into the Chattahoochee River. So you can't stay in that current. That current will take you where it wants you to go instead of the destination that you ought to be going. The problem with many Christians today in the church is we're not paying attention to the Word of God, the message of truth, and what's happening is we're drifting off on the currents of cultural popularity today. We're drifting away on the currents of self-pleasure and desire to fulfill uh, our, our own personal and sinful desires. I'm telling you, fellowship with the Lord, worship of Him, glorifying Him requires us to humble ourselves and obey His Word. And we drift if we ignore the truth of God's Word. If we don't take seriously the Word of God that's being preached, if we don't take serious biblical sermons, if we do not take serious what we're reading and studying and learning from our Bibles and apply that to our lives, then we're going to start drifting. 
And we'll pay less and less attention to the word of truth and we'll pay more and more attention to the world or our own sinful desires and that will be the currents that will begin to drive our lives. And we'll stop reading the Bible, we'll stop serving the Lord, we'll stop giving to kingdom causes, we'll stop attending church unless it's just convenient for us, we don't have anything else to do, then we'll do it. And before long, what we've done because of that neglect and because of taking our eyes off of the Lord Jesus and committing ourselves to His truth, we find ourselves drifting a long way away from Him. If we get involved in this spiritual drift because we don't pay close attention to the Word of God and apply it to our lives, then we'll find ourselves disconnected from some of the most key and cardinal doctrines of the, of the Word of God that have been adhered to for century upon century by orthodox followers of Jesus Christ. And we'll suddenly believe that now, in the 21st century, there's people who have discovered the true way to interpret Scripture. <laughs> and for 2,000 years, and even before that, when we get to the Old Testament Scriptures, they've been missing it. And suddenly now we're enlightened beyond what those followers of Jesus Christ were for those centuries, including the apostles themselves. We understand things in a different way, we think. And listen... The Word of God makes it clear that God made human beings in His own image. He made them male and He made them female. That's the most basic um, indicators of society and truth pieces in society. And that's determined by biology. And so we, we, we are to adhere to that because God plainly and clearly made two genders. And then the Word of God also teaches us that sexuality... Sex, that, that gift of sex is for a man and a woman who are married, and there's no other valid expression of that. Any other way is rebellion and sinfulness against God Himself. But if I do not pay close attention to the Word of God, what will happen to me is this. I will begin to drift away on the cultural currents. And my friends who I love dearly and who have different viewpoints than me and maybe are living lifestyles that are completely contrary to Scripture because I love them and I think they're good people, I can be influenced by that, or the huge, massive cultural pressures that are on people today, <clears throat> those, those are rip currents that will pull you away from the truth of God if we're not absolutely centered on Scripture as we ought to be centered. And we'll find ourselves way out here, believing and embracing things that are completely contrary to the Word of God, that grieves the heart of God, that goes against what God desires for all people to experience. When we don't pay attention to the Scriptures, what will happen uh, is uh, that we will have a tendency to put material possessions and cultural pleasures and practices above the truth of God. If we don't play, pay close attention to Scripture, what will happen is so often we'll drift away and we'll, we'll not even understand how to love people properly, how we're to respond to people. and We'll become very, very critical and we'll show such partiality and lack of respect for one another when we are not anchored in the truth of God's Word as we're supposed to be. In verses 2 through 4, the writer of Hebrews issues a warning. And he says again, if we are held accountable for ignoring the Word mediated through angels, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This message was first spoken by the Lord Himself then carried on by His apostles. His apostles received 
later revelation also, as the Lord Jesus told them that they would uh, through the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. God himself, using miracles, testified of the reality of the gospel and emphasized the truth of the message and emphasized that Jesus is indeed who he says he's. And by the way, that's the purpose for miracles, brothers and sisters. It's not to provide some kind of a show and have a big, you know, a big, a big spectacle of things. It is to emphasize the truth of the gospel, that the gospel might be received. That was the purpose of miracles. The law of the old covenant was to be obeyed, and if it was not, disobedience was punished. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 30 says death occurred. That's how serious disobedience is. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 28 speaks of this also. How will we escape the punishment that comes from neglecting so great a salvation? Now, we're not told exactly what that punishment is. It is not that we no longer have salvation. It probably refers to His chastening. Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of how God chastens those that He loves. And the Word of God says there that we should respond to God's chastening and live. That could indicate that there are times when there's such rebelliousness of God's people against Him that He takes them home prematurely. It could mean a number of things. Matter of fact, the chastening of God is said to be painful in Hebrews chapter 12. Could also speak of a loss of reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks of this. It's a, it's a serious matter that's being taught here. Do you know that in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel came into the promised land, uh, that was symbolic of something. Coming out of Egypt was symbolic of salvation, how the Lord delivers us from our sin. Going into the land that was promised to them is not, as we sometimes have thought over the years, represent going to heaven. You know, we talk about crossing the Jordan, meaning we're going to heaven. But actually, going into the promised land actually is symbolic of the life we're to live once we are identified with the Lord. And if you remember in your Bible reading what happened when they went into the promised land, they, they, they began to disobey the Lord. They, they would not trust Him to help remove the people out of the land and they settled and didn't take all that land because they didn't trust God in those things. And then that next generation that came along, only one generation was faithful, that next generation. What happened to them is they didn't see the mighty things that God did. And what, what happened to them? They began to uh, be led astray by all the false gods. They didn't destroy the false altars and all those kinds. They began to be led astray there and they missed out on incredible blessing from God because of it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe with all my heart there are many in the church today living on the scraps that God intends them to have. And I'm talking spiritually now. That they're living on the scraps of the spiritual blessings that God desires to bring into their lives because they're drifting. They're drifting. They're not devoted to Jesus. You may say, how do you know that? Because they're not devoted to the Word of God. The two are inseparable. 
And I'll tell you this, if you're out of fellowship with your Bible, then you're out of fellowship with God. And I'm not teaching that this Bible's an idol. I'm just telling you that the Lord communicates to us through His Word. And when we come into a, a time in the Word of God, we don't just read that Bible as a ritual. What we do is we come to meet with God. And He speaks to us. Do you know what I'm talking about in here? Many of you know what I'm talking about. You open the Word of God and your heart sometimes seems to be on fire because you, you just sense you're in the presence of God. He's speaking. He's, he's comforting and encouraging through His Word. We are to be focused in on what He desires us to do. And again, this drift can happen so subtly. I mean, it just, you know, one, I'm not really sure. Is that really what the Bible teaches? I mean, here's what the world's saying right now. Uh, is this really what it says? Does that line of thinking sound familiar to anybody in here? That's exactly the line Satan used on Eve. Does God's Word really say that? And before long, we say this. God's Word does not really say that. It doesn't. We reject His Word. We're drifting. We must understand the danger of spiritual drift. So what's the remedy for this? That's the second thing I want to show you. And that is that we must be obedient to the message of the truth. That's the remedy to this. Verse 1 says that we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Pay attention to the message of the whole counsel of God, is what he's saying. The cause of this spiritual drift is negligence in our spiritual disciplines. To listen to the Word taught and, and obey it. To not spending time in the Word of God like we should. In prayer as we should. To take in His Word and to do it so our life transforms and we uh, are growing and developing in Him. What we do is we neglect it. That word neglect there means to be unconcerned about. It means to neglect through apathy. It, it means that we don't care about something. So we don't care much about what God has revealed. So we don't spend much time with Him in His Word to live it out. But we spend hours on Facebook, Instagram, other social media things, watching TV shows, reading novels, whatever. Nothing wrong with these things. But, but if it takes us away from spending time with God, that we might grow in Him and not drift spiritually It's a weight in our life. It's hindering our walk with God. Y'all listen, I'm almost done. Joshua gathered the people of Israel together. And he said this. You've got to make up your mind who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods that are on the other side of the river that our fathers served? Or are you going to serve the one true God? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joshua went on to say in chapter 24 and verse 15, As for me and my house, I just want you to know this, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what you do, we're serving the Lord. In verse 16 and following, the people of Israel responded, and they said, Oh, listen, how could we not serve Him? He took us out of Egypt. He took us out of a devastating place of being dominated. He set us free. He provided for us. How can we not but serve Him? Well, that lasted one generation, as I said a moment ago. But listen, 
you and I have been taken out of Egypt. You know that? If we're saved, we have been taken out of a place where we were bound up under the most horrible dictator called sin. We were in the kingdom of darkness and we were taken out on eagle's wings. That is, by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the great Passover lamb who brought us into the great eternal kingdom of God. And we are not to neglect this great salvation and drift away from God. Our idleness, our laziness, our lust for the world is a rip current that will take us away from that place of closeness with the Lord, that, that place of spiritual blessing, that place where we honor Him and fulfill our purpose. And we get so caught up sometimes by not paying close attention to the truth of God that we're swept away. To hear, listen, to hear in the Word of God means more than just discerning sound and interpreting it and intellectually understanding something. It means obeying it. That's why the Scripture says we're not just to hear the Word of God, we're to do it. And to neglect so great a salvation is a dangerous thing. I do not believe we lose our salvation. And I don't think that's what neglecting it means here. But what neglecting it means here is we're neglecting the full result of our redemption. We're neglecting the full result of our redemption. See, for years, people have thought, I'm just going to walk this aisle. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to get baptized in a baptistry, and I'm going to have my name on a church roll, and I'm good. Well, if you're truly repenting and turning to Jesus, then that is good. But the problem is many did not truly repent. They just came and went through the motions. And here's how you could tell it, because they didn't change. They continued to live the same way because there was this mindset is, if I just go through these motions and I can go live any way I want to, that's not biblical Christianity. That's not what Brock was teaching last week. It's a total surrender of one's life. Results in change. And then we start following Jesus. That's what biblical Christianity is. And when we don't pay close attention to the truth of God to follow Jesus, and we drift. We get in spiritual drift. One of the richest chapters on salvation is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 are beautiful verses. Many of us have put that to memory. And it talks about how that uh, we who were dead in trespasses and sins, he's made alive and Describe the lost condition of people in verses 2 and 3. And then he gets down to verse 4 and he talks about, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And he made us trophies of grace. But the last verse in that section says this, verse 10, Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What did He prepare us for? So we could go live any way we want to? Is that what we were created in Christ Jesus through redemption to be? No. Good works. That means holy conduct, and that means service to the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do as the people of God. Herschel Hobbes said, wrote that some believe the soul can be saved and the life lost. Now listen, if the soul's saved, uh, the, the life is changed. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Salvation from the Lord affects the entire life. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We're to pursue a holy life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. Did you all hear that? Meaning that holiness and the pursuit of it should mark the lives of those who are redeemed. The reason it doesn't for many of us is because we've lost our attention to the Word. We have drifted. Are you drifting today? Well, it's time for us to pay attention and repent and to no longer drift, but to follow Jesus. And so today, maybe God has spoken to some of us, and maybe we're just been encouraged. Maybe we're just we're faithful. We're walking with Jesus, and, and this is an encouragement to us to keep on. But for some today, we, we need to confess where, we're, where, where we've been floating and get back to following Jesus, get back on course. And for some in this room and those online, it, it could possibly be that you're letting salvation float by you. You've been all around it for years, but you've never truly called upon Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You're just letting it float by. Before it's too late, you should call upon the Lord to be your Savior, to recognize that you need Him to save you, and believe that He did what He did, lived, died, and rose again, to take your sin away and surrender your life to Him today. I want to pray. We're going to stand to sing. And if God is speaking to you, you may want to come to the altar today to have time with the Lord and just get your life back on course. And some may need to accept Christ. And so I'll be right here and you can say to me, I, I need Jesus as my Savior. Some might need to join the church today. So however God is speaking, let's obey Him. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank you for speaking to me. And Lord, sometimes these are hard messages, but Lord, I love the people that you allow me to serve. And I want to make sure, Lord God, we're not drifting. But we are deeply devoted to you. And so I pray if we're drifting, Lord, you'll make it clear to us right now that we return to following you. We get our lives back on course today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.